What Happens When I? Episode number 11. What Happens When I Become a Child Again? Okay, well, this should be fun, shouldn't it? Right? Who doesn't like being a child? <laughs> also, with this one, it should be very obvious when I'm holding it at a distance and when I'm having it close to, right here, right now, actuality or embodiment, as we could say. When I'm talking about it as if it's somewhere else compared to when I'm talking about it and it's actually happening now, right? Is that difference clear? Well, maybe as we proceed it will become more clear. What happens? What happens when I become a child again? Well, there's so much in childhood and there's so much in early development psychology there's so much in experientialism, which works with the inner child. And where to begin? Now, there's two ways we can do it this broadly. We can have the, the inner child, which is hurt. And there's the inner child, which is celebrating. And basically from there, you've got all your derivatives of your early developmental psychology and your experientialism in relation to the child, the inner child. Because, of course, I'm assuming that you realize that you are a child, as well as all the other things that you are. And I'm assuming that, well, you can access them. You're on board with understanding that you can go back there and relive and reenact the things that happened. And it gets a bit tricky because you can say, well, am I, is the child in me just what I was brought up to be? Or is there something else? And, well, it's a bit of both because your conditioning brings up your, creates a sort of characteristics within you. But then also there's something that's pure where if you remove the conditioning, there is something that wants to come out, something that's really deeper than the conditioning, the external circumstances. And you can see this by, say, for example, you have a child who wants to do something, and it's an intrinsic, completely personal, completely inbuilt want. They just desire it, just for the sake of it. And then... The parent comes along and says, no, don't do that, or there's some punishment for doing it, or there's some circumstance around it which inflicts a trauma or a pain or a, a negative feeling to associate with that intrinsic drive. Well, then now the child's going to grow up. Let's say the child grows up with saying, okay, well, I want to do this, but there's a guilt associated with it. There's a positive feeling and there's a negative feeling at the same time. They're undifferentiated. And basically what that means is that there is an innate 
naturalness which has been hurt and well how does that fit into our two broad categories we've got the child of celebration or the child of hurt the hurt in a child or the celebrating in a child and well what we can do is a whole bunch of extremely high priced therapy and uncover the trauma and then re aliven or re-strengthen or give a rebirth to the celebrating child and now the child then as an adult can have that same inner drive that same jump that same intuition that same intrinsic want without the guilt and then that person starts to celebrate and it's not all negative i mean it might be that the inner child or the child in the, the person in their childhood is encouraged in something and built up in something so it's not all negative and well and you could argue that say well you need to also undo the conditioning of the positive things you need to undo all of your conditioning both trauma and encouragement to become yourself your pure self and well there's some there's some merit to that there is some worth in that i mean what is a child a child is pure a child is untainted a child is natural but a child is also undifferentiated a child is also ignorant a child is also just plain annoying unsocialized <laughs> if we can be frank so it's a little different to say what happens like let's let's do some permutations on this question what happens when I become a child again is different to what was I like as a child. Different again to what happened to me as a child that I say now influenced or affected my adult life. And, well, really what we're saying is what, what is your place now? We're not, we're not regressing back to childhood. We're saying, what is it like now to consciously go back into childhood? And there's a lot of sort of sideway head trips as well that go along with this, like, oh, you're just acting like a child. You weren't really like that as a child. This is not your pure self, which you are going into consciously. You are just looking and thinking, well, children act like this, so I'll act like this. And that's, well, that's a funny tangle. Try undoing that one for yourself. Are you acting in your pure sense or just acting like a child? How do you know to act like a child? How do you find your behaviors? How do you embody feelings? And, well, the difference is you can find that difference in experiential practices, experiential awareness techniques, experiential groups, experiential therapy, experiential experiential sessions with someone who understands these things, and so on. Behaviorism and experientialism uh, as practices, as like transformative practices, are very closely related. And in fact, if you just say to someone, act like a child, 
you can un- uncover a lot because it works the other way that if you just say to someone, act whatever you think a child acts like, whatever your idea is, at a certain point and with a certain percentage or proportion, there will be things in there that are from their, their childhood, which they learnt in childhood. It's not like we sit around and, and look at children and say, oh, so that's how they behave. But maybe there is a, a part of that as well, a portion of that. But really, tr- trying to explain that, explaining that difference illustrating that difference in words well here in this conversation we've gone as far as it can go already just by saying that there is a difference that's as far as it goes because an explanation is really only a starting point when we're talking about experientialism you have to experience it yourself and then you will find your own unique words to put into it and it will be perfectly clear to you, and you'll try to explain it to someone else, and they just won't get it. They won't understand. <laughs> and that's just that's just something to be aware of when we're discussing something in words, which is of experientialism. And really, the whole, like broadly speaking, the whole branch of psychology which was behaviorism was trying to deal with that fact that we couldn't actually see inside someone we couldn't actually see their subjective experience because the behaviorists all said well now we've got something perfectly tangible and perfectly real and perfectly measurable we can turn psychology into a science through behaviorism and there's a funny story i might have told this before but i tell it again but it's a funny story where there's a big office building of psychologists and a man walks in and he gets in the lift and there's a bunch of other psychologists all around in the lift with him and he presses a number to the floor he needs to go to. But then halfway there, he says, oh, actually, I changed my mind. And he presses a different button to go to a different floor. And the psychologist next to him turns to him and says, excuse me, sir, but you did not change your mind. You changed your behavior. So I like that story. I'll probably tell it again some other day. I hope you don't mind. And everything that I have said so far today, (laughs) which I have probably also said at some point already today and some other days, has been a distraction from the actual question at point. What happens when I become a child again? So let's take this as... (laughs) Let's take all of this as just dabbling around in explanations and let's get cracking right into... And and now that I've pointed it out to you, you can see the difference. You'll hear the difference. Let's get right down into an honest answer to this question. (laughs) What happens when I become a child again? 
Well. I smile easily. My eyes open up. When I become a child again, things seem interesting. Sometimes mundane things. Objects. And I stop and I just goggle at them. And say, oh my goodness, what is that? Like, I don't understand. I become very curious. I have a lot of fun. When I become a child again, I feel very playful. I feel very happy. I laugh very easily. I walk differently. I've sort of got this walk, which is sort of more, more upright, and there's a bounce in the step. That's a good answer. When I, what happens when I become a child again, I have a bounce in my steps, like a skip. And also my hands change. It's sort of like my, my walk and my posture and my hands change. The way I use my hands, it's sort of like, it's quite hard to describe, but they're in different positions. I hold them in different positions and it's more detailed and it's more sort of, the the gestures are sort of funny and weird and and they feel different like i feel different in my hands it's very much a a thing like i've got this one gesture where i raise a finger and i sort of use it to accentuate and i point upwards with it like i don't point at the person but i sort of point upwards and i use it to accentuate what i'm saying so that's some some things that happen when i become a child again I also talk differently. I speak in simple English with short sentences and there's sort of a bubbly tone. Like, like, how would I do this if I put this on? Like, oh, I also refer to myself in, in third person. That's sometimes something that happens. And I, and I guess, well, when every adult acts like a child, maybe it's normal. But what, what is it like? I'm trying to think of some of the things I say. I would say like, I feel happy, yeah, but it's like, it, it, it's more authentic than that. It's more deep. Like it's really, well, that's another thing is when, when I speak simple and I become a child again, my words are more aligned with how I actually feel. And what else do I say? Like, what are the sort of things I would say? Let's go or which way to go this way to go. Something is happening. Dosta is happy. I feel happy. This, uh, yeah. Like, it, it, it sort of feels fake when I'm putting it on. Like, I've sort of got to be in the mood to embody that. But those are some of the f sort of phrases that I have. And then before, like, it was sort of weird before because then, it, like, maybe my inner child behaviors have changed since, you know, since what happened. Oh, do you have to bring that up? Try not to talk about that too often. But before, I was like, this makes me very happy. This makes me very sad. This makes me very sad. This makes me very sad. Those sort of phrases. And then I've also sort of got my own words like, Suna Kapunda. Suna kapunda. Eda ping bow. Yeah, raise a finger. Point point at the ceiling. 
with a, with one finger and say, "It a ping da bow, it a ping da bow." It's a funny expression. It means it means like cowabunga or yippee or something like that. It's sort of an expression of of joy, excitement, and and fun. So if I was to jump onto a bed, I would say "it a ping da bow," sort of like that. And this makes me very happy. And, well, I mean, I feel like I, I can't really go into it. I don't feel like going into it right now. I feel like I'm really stuck in just explaining mode, teacher mode. And maybe that's enough to illustrate what it's like or what happens when I become a child again. When I become a child again, I'm more open to people. I'm more friendly in the conversations and approaching people. And I don't have the usual sort of anxiety or cloud around social approaching or breaking the ice so much. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty okay with it. It depends. I mean, it's hard to speak about such things so broadly. What happens when I become a child again? I feel vulnerable. Like I can feel... Like it's not all positive emotions. It can also be very sad. And the, and the sad in a child is sort of like a... Like a whimpering... Oh, 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 oh. Like begging for sympathy sort of feeling. Which is sad, but but not really sad. It's sort of like a flamboyant, over-the-top sad. That happens when I'm doing the inner child. Doing the inner child. Like, what what happens to me? And, it, and we always come back to this again and again, which is, what, what does it mean to have something happening? It's like I can talk about my feelings, my emotions, my behaviors my speech, what about thinking? Does thinking come into it? No, no, I don't think so. I don't really think much. When I'm an in it, when I'm a, when I'm a child again, I, I'm really deeply in perceptions. I'm really interested in like what's in front of my eyes. So I could say I'm very present. I'm very present with the immediate surrounds. There's not much thinking happening. There's not like there's not anal analyzing or thinking or contemplating or any of that. None of that. And what else? I mean, we could say, well, what are, what are other people's responses to me? I think sometimes, I guess it depends where I am. But I, I guess mostly like it's funny. It's quite hilarious. And it's cute. Like it is quite silly, and if and if they're on board and they know me well enough, then or you know if the the environment has to be appropriate, it has to be the right sort of atmosphere around, then it can just be so much fun. It could just be a laugh, and I say all sorts of jokes and do silly things, and basically everything turns into humor. Like I've experienced that 
where everything is a joke. It's just a, a joke after a joke and then something goes wrong or or even the emotions, like even the sad emotions are funny and then it's a big act and then I say something and then other people start to go into their inner child and they start playing around. It's just like, wow, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of celebration in the inner child. There's a lot of natural aliveness in the inner child. It's a very it's a very powerful thing really, isn't it? When you look at it like like from way over here, like after what what's all that's happened and all the knowledge and sort of consciously like like how would I explain going into this consciously? Because that's what we're doing. We're talking about it consciously here. So it's somehow removed. But even in the experience, there's an element of that, or at least either side of it, in a way. Because you're not literally becoming the child again. It's what, it's what happens when I become a child again with the level of development that you've got up till now. It's not what happens when I become a child again permanently, exactly how you were as a child. It's not a permanent regression. So all the, all the structures that you have, all the psychologies or understandings or experiences, they're still there. It's just that when we become a child again, from an older position, older place, or from a place of wisdom, we could say, then you're just having the child at the most forefront. It's just the most dominant thing. And I think that's easy enough to understand. And I wonder, like, what it's, what's it all about having kids? Is that just an excuse? Because I see these parents who have kids and then they act like the kid is acting at their age. And there's an art to this, I believe. Because in some cases, you do want to act like an adult or you just want to act like human being to human being. And then in other cases, other situations, you do have to act like a child to communicate to the child. And then in other situations, well, it's just fun, isn't it? And I wonder if, if we looked back and thought, well, when was the fun, like what were my parents doing when I had fun playing with them? How were they acting? And I bet just on initial intuition, that they were acting like their inner child. I can't remember much about playing with my parents. That's a pretty deep skewer to go into. Can you remember playing with your parents as a child? Might have to go pretty far back because at a certain point you start playing with other kids, right? You don't play with adults, you play with kids. 
And then pretty soon after that, you just play with yourself. <laughs> In every sense of the word. <laughs> I wonder how far back I'd have to go. I'd probably have to go back like... I can't remember at all my parents playing with me. Like the only thing I can remember is my dad in the car and I say, can, can we get some chips from McDonald's, some hot chips? And he says, let's go, chippies. And that's sort of the only moment where I could see, like, which I could classify as his inner child being fun with me. And then playing with my parents. Like, what did I do when I was playing with my parents? I mean, my father read to me at a pretty young age. Playing with my parents. I don't know if I ever played with my parents. And I wonder, like, what is my dad? Like, that's my dad's inner child voice. What is my mum's inner child voice? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard it. I don't know if I've ever imagined my mother as a child. As a playful, alive child. Damn, what a skewer. What a deep skewer to go into the past with. That's going to take some work. There's some, there's some things in there. There's some things in that. Now, when it comes to siblings, well, maybe we can save this for the, <laughs> save this for the autobiography. I'm getting too far out, too far away from Dosta. As I can remember moments of the inner child coming out of my siblings. But let's get back on point. Let's bring it back home. <laughs> let's bring it back to the current situation. What happens when I become a child again? Well, I learn something new. I become more integrated. I have more variety of my inner world. I have more variety of my behaviors. I have more understanding of my behaviors. I have more freedom of my behaviors. I have more innocence, which affects my perception. Innocence and perception are related. How so? Well, expand on that. Well, to perceive, you really have to... To perceive is to receive. That can be our catchphrase, our takeaway insight. To perceive something means to receive it. It goes into the eyeballs, into the ears. You're receiving it. And if you're walking around thinking like, oh yeah, I'm really enlightened. Oh, I'm really highly developed. I've done all this meditation. I'm really good at perceiving. My perceptions are opening up. Yeah, I really want to perceive. I really want to improve my vision, improve my sight then that's sort of like, you're full of yourself. There's too much of you in that. 
You can never perceive something more closely out of a, a determination, a will, in a hard sense. Like there's got to be some commitment. There's got to be some sort of resolve. But resolve is different to determination. And innocence, well, innocence is like, well, I don't know anything. I'm not trying to do anything. Or at least in this conversation, it's like that. Innocence in a child is just awe. Innocence and awe is, is well, the child's like, what? I have no, I have no way of making sense of what's in front of my eyes. And really that's true all the time. If we think deep enough about it. Like, do you know what's happening right in front of your eyes right now? I might take a might take a fair dose of innocence to <laughs> to confuse yourself there. When I become a child again, I become more friendly and I get along with my friends better. And my emotions seem simple but more real. They're sort of more simple but more honest, which means they're more they're more like how to say they're more authentic, they're more pronounced. And it's not always the, the happy ones, it's sometimes the sad ones. Like, I feel sad. When I become a child again, I have a lot of energy. <laughs> I feel like I can run around. I can do lots of things. Oh, here's a good one. When I become a child again, I have less boundaries. So I go into places which I wouldn't normally go. Or I stand on things that wouldn't normally be stood on. Or I sit in places I wouldn't normally sit. My spatial understanding is different because of the boundaries. So yeah, yeah, that's a good one. When I become a child again, I start walking on strange things like along a ledge or climbing up something or sitting back to front or so on. And sometimes that leads me to getting into trouble. <laughs> hey, what are you doing over there? What happens when I become a child again? Maybe there's this thing of attracting an adult. You know, as if to say that for every negative, uh, a positive has to occur, or for every, for every anomaly, uh, an equation has to occur, or for every... For every equation, an anomaly has to occur. A remainder has to occur. Or what's a better way to put this? You, you, you can't have a child without an adult. So by becoming a child again, someone sort of naturally falls into that, <laughs> that role. It, it's so funny because I'm thinking now, like, what, what is the exact scenario I'm thinking? It's... I become a child and then my girlfriend starts to become the adult. Like, no, don't do that. 
Hey, behave yourself. <laughs> oh. And if it's not her, it's someone else. And someone standing nearby. There's something so strange about the the child voice. And it's not available right now. I, I thought when we started talking today that it would be available and I'd be able to just go into it. But it's really... I mean, what does that say? That says that... It says sort of that it can't be an act. It says that it can't be sort of like on and off switch. Like, like what does it take to go into the inner child? You just say, hey, be a child, and then boom, it's done. Well, no, you've got to have sort of a... contrived environment. You've got to have the right environment or a safe environment or a familiar environment. And there are techniques to lead you into the inner child. Well, let me share one of these techniques. There was this one which uh, which I learnt where with your dominant hand, so if you're, le- if you're right-handed, you use your right, you write a question to your inner child and you word it as if you were an adult speaking to a child. So you have to you have to actually speak pretty simple and you have to make it understandable to your inner child. And then you close your eyes and you wait and you put your hand you put your pen in the other hand. So if you're right-handed, you put it in your left hand and then you write the answer. And that's a way of communicating with your inner child. And you can sort of go back and forth between these. And if you really do it carefully, it can open you up to very deep connections of different parts within yourself. And the friend that told me about this technique, who I heard this from, she said, (laughs) she said, I try this, but... Usually my inner child just draws circles. <laughs> and I asked her, well, are you wording the questions right? Maybe they're too complicated, these questions. <laughs> but that was pretty funny. What happens when I become a child again? Time goes quickly, but it feels slow. Or maybe to be more accurate, there's a time dilation. And it's hard to say in which way exactly it goes. But there's definitely something happening with my sense of time. When I become a child again, well, I become very playful. That's really the. It's really the only answer. And I don't have any childhood trauma. I mean, I do have guilt. I do have darkness. I do have pain. 
but a lot of that was from my adolescence. Like my dark period was my adolescence, not my childhood. And maybe the therapist is on the other side of this conversation saying, well, everyone's got trauma, you just haven't dug deep enough. And maybe, maybe that's true, but not... I don't have trauma in the sense that some people have trauma. Like some people really do have, you know, abuse or sexual abuse or physical abuse or verbal abuse or emotional abuse. I didn't really have much of that at all. So what happens when I become a child again? Well, something I should do more often. <laughs> something I should remember. And something I should integrate into my being much more. And I say that having already done a lot of work and a lot of experiencing and a lot of fun, a lot of experimenting. And it really has been a wonderful thing. And I put innocence as a very high virtue. It really is among the greatest of virtues that one can aspire to, even though it's not an aspiration. <laughs> it's a little bit devious as a virtue, isn't it? Can you, can you aspire to innocence? Well, we'd have to do some funny gymnastics with our words, aspiration, or some explanations. So... Let's now, well, let's keep pondering what happens when I become a child again. And we'll do it with some silence. <laughs> 